Good morning. It's Tuesday, February 6th. I'm Beth Golay, and this is Wichita's Early Edition from KMUW News. Black Violin co-founder Will B. says that when the band started 20 years ago, he wasn't sure how long it would last. And then the group won an important award. Uh, when we won 2005 Apollo Legends, you know, that's when I called, you know, my supervisor and I was like, listen, I'm not coming to work anymore, you know. That's coming up after the news. Boeing says it has discovered another problem in some of the 737 fuselages it received from Wichita-based Spirit Aerosystems. The latest quality problem to plague Boeing may delay deliveries of about 50 aircraft. Boeing says the improperly drilled holes were discovered by Spirit, a major supplier that provides fuselages. Boeing says the holes do not pose an immediate safety issue. Boeing and Spirit are under intense scrutiny over the quality of their work. Last month, a panel blew off a commercial airliner, forcing it to make an emergency landing. Spirit Aerosystems will release its fourth quarter and full-year financial reports later this morning. A new report by an advocacy group called Inseparable says Kansas lawmakers could do more to improve insurance coverage of mental health care. KMUW's Rose Conlin has more. Kansas already requires insurers to cover telehealth mental health services, and the state is trying to attract more mental health professionals. But inseparable Vice President Kathleen Doughty says state lawmakers should consider other policies. One example is waiving co-pays for annual mental health wellness exams. Prevention is really important here. Another is requiring insurance plans to cover all medically necessary treatment when it's recommended by a patient's doctor. She says over 70 percent of Kansans with both a mental health diagnosis and commercial insurance do not get their treatment covered. Dottie is the daughter of Democratic Governor Laura Kelly. For KMUW News, I'm Rose Conlin. Wichita State University is warning employees of a possible $2 million shortfall in its current fiscal year budget due to declining graduate school enrollment. KMUW's Kylie Cameron reports. In an email to WSU staff, the university says both domestic and international graduate school enrollment is falling behind budgeted projections. Wichita State waived its GRE test requirements to get into graduate school at the university and has taken other measures in an effort to boost enrollment. The school is also warning of further interventions, including budget cuts, if academic programs don't meet or exceed their enrollment goals by this fall. The email signs off by encouraging WCU staff to be ambassadors for the university in order to help recruit prospective students. For KMUW News, I'm Kylie Cameron. Chiefs fans in Kansas may be able to show support for the team with a special license plate starting next year. Daniel Cottle of the Kansas News Service has more. Kansas lawmakers are considering adding a Kansas City Chiefs-themed license plate to the state's list of more than 50 special plates. Drivers would pay a $40 application fee and the plate itself would cost between $25 and $100 to be determined by the Chiefs. Proceeds from the plate would support the Hunt Family Foundation, a nonprofit run by the owner of the Chiefs. It supports programs involving education, football, and children's health and wellness. If the bill passes, the Chiefs would create the plate's design. For the Kansas News Service, I'm Daniel Cottle at the State House. A southeast Kansas oil refinery will pay fines for the second time for allegedly breaking pollution laws. Here's Celia Yopis Jepson of the Kansas News Service. 
In 2012, Coffeyville Resources Refining and Marketing was accused of releasing too many air pollutants that harm people's lungs. It had to spend $11 million on state and federal fines and on changes to reduce emissions. But the oil refinery allegedly continued to break laws and the 2012 court order. It denies the allegations but has agreed to spend another $23 million on new state and federal fines, facility improvements, and to help the environment. The company didn't respond to a request for comment. For the Kansas News Service, I'm Celia Yopis-Jepson. Kansas City will host six games of the FIFA World Cup in 2026. But as Isabella Liu reports, the city has to make some significant changes first. Kansas City is the smallest of the 16 host cities, and Catherine Holland, executive director of KC 2026, admitted that it also has less robust public transportation. Speaking to KCRI's Up to Date, Holland said organizers hope to build out a temporary transit system, but did not provide details. Holland says the city will do its best to mitigate disruptions during the 35-day event. We are acutely aware that, again, we cannot shut down our, our city for that amount of time. People need to be able to get to their, their jobs, uh, and, and this should just be sort of an, an, an enhancement and, um, you know, supporting the event on top of that. Organizers plan to spread activities out across the region, including potential base camps in Lawrence and Manhattan, Kansas. I'm Isabella Liu. Governor Laura Kelly will deliver the Landon Lecture this month at Kansas State University. Kelly will speak in Forum Hall at the K-State Student Union. The event begins at 1130 on February 16th. Kelly's lecture will focus on the health and well-being of the state's politics and residents. Historically, the Landon Lecture offers speeches on current political affairs. Notable politicians who have spoken in the series include Richard Nixon and George W. Bush. The lecture is named after Alf Landon, the 26th governor of Kansas. We'll be back after this. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, we're taking center stage. Introducing NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of Black-led stories from NPR's podcasts. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts. This is Wichita's Early Edition. I'm Beth Golay. The band Black Violin fuses hip-hop with elements of classical music. The group is now in its second decade. KMUW's Jed Bodwin recently spoke with co-founder and violist Will B, who discussed the journey the band has taken in that time. Black Violin has been an active band for 20 years. When you started, did you have any sense that two decades later, the band would still be together, still touring, putting on shows, all of that? I didn't have any expectations, I think. For us, we just was, we're just going. We're going and we're doing something that we love and we believe in. The good thing about that is, I think when you when you start thinking about, you know, where you would want to be, and it's, there's nothing wrong with, with dreaming, right? But um, in terms of seeing yourself in this huge status, and hopefully that doesn't kind of make you just not move, you know what I mean? I think... For us, we just never really thought of it that way because, you know, we were just having fun. It just so happened this thing kind of continued to take off and we continue to have reasons to keep playing. And, you know, here we are 20 years later still doing it. One step to the future, step to the future. 
do you remember when things sort of turned the corner and it became obvious to you that this was really going to take off? The first indication that I felt like we had something was Apollo. Uh, when we won 2005 Apollo Legends, that's when I realized, oh, okay, this is cool. People actually like this. We have something special, you know? I had a, had a telecommunication job where I was answering the phone. You know, that's when I called, you know, my supervisor, and I was like, listen, I'm not coming to work anymore, you know? <laughs> this is when I'm pursuing this music thing full-time. That's when the, um, the, the light bulb kind of came on for real, and in terms of really focusing on this thing. What are some of your fondest memories of being able to connect with your fan base? Oh man, so many of them. I think one instance, we were in Bonnaroo, we were doing this festival, and I remember someone came up to me, forget his, I don't remember his name, but he came up to me and he told me, kind of almost tearing up, telling me how his he made it through prison with our music, you know? And, you know, it was just really profound. It's like one of the greatest compliments, I think. Your music inspired someone so much so that it, it, it made them want to keep going, keep living, you know? That was a very um, memorable thing. And obviously, I've heard that through so many, you know, through our careers, I've heard it so many times. And that's probably one of the biggest things for me is being able to do something that I love, something that is not really difficult. People are are, are transformed because of it, you know. I have a sense that black violin audiences represent a wide range of people, whether it's age or background, you know, diverse in the, the truest sense. Definitely. You're exactly right. I mean, that's the, that's the real beauty of it. We go out to the crowd and we see the crowd. And it's like you said, the age group is mixed. There's kids there, there's adults. And there's, you know, people from different backgrounds and cultures. It's amazing to see. It's amazing to see that our music is able to bring people together, you know. And the only time I really see something like that in, in the way that our music does is maybe sports. Maybe if you go to a baseball game, you know, you see a, everyone from that community come in to, you know, show love for the local team. You know, um, it's very, very similar in our show, and it's great to be able to bring people together, and particularly in, in the venues that we perform, where there's a lot of people that have they've lived in that community for their whole lives, but they've never been in that venue, in that theater, you know? So it's great. It's, I think it's, uh, it's a great thing to connect communities together. Black Violin performs at Wichita's Orpheum Theater tonight. You can read more of the story at kmuw.org. Thanks for joining us for Wichita's Early Edition. We'll be back again tomorrow. For KMUW News, I'm Beth Golay. Wichita's Early Edition is part of the NPR Podcast Network.